Welcome everybody to the Canberra Football Show. I'm your host, Matt Nicoletti. Today is most likely probably our biggest episode ever. I've got an all-star panel with me today. We've got Michael Kajano from the... Uh, Russ, I'm not talking about you, mate. Calm down over there. <laughs> I was just looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so yeah, today we've got Michael Kajano from the uh, Canberra A-League bid. And then we've also got uh, the um, main MPL1 commentary team for Bar TV Sport in Frank Keisha and Russ Gibbs. Michael, first of all, how are you today, mate? Happy to have you on. Good, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad at all. Uh, Russ, how's it going? Really good, thanks, mate. Glad that Michael's here with his Manchester United jumper on as well. It's making me feel at home. And man, you hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, outnumbered a bit today. Outnumbered. Right, Frank, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm happy that Arsenal won the Community Shield <laughs> and <laughs> FA F- 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 Cup, and it's, it's good to be around man. You supporters that haven't won a trophy in so long. <laughs> We've got too many to worry about, mate. Yeah. All right, so... Let's uh, get straight into it, shall we? All right, first and foremost, Michael, like I said, um, very happy to have you on the show. You said you wanted to wait to come on the show until you had uh, big news, to say the least, and you have been trending in Australian football media, media, to say the least. You made a proposition to the FFA for an A-League licence for the 2021-2022 season. First and foremost, though, can you just explain to the listeners who don't know, who might not have known what you, you did last week with your announcement, could you just explain what you did? Yeah, yeah, so we went on the record last week to uh, let everyone know we'd made an official offer for, for an A-League licence for Canberra um, to kick off in the 2021 season, so towards the end of next year. Uh, the purpose of that was to, to let everyone know that we've obviously been going for a long time, uh, and we had been making progress uh, very deeply engaged with both the Mariners owner, Mike Charlesworth, and uh, the FFA on a number of fronts, uh, looking to uh, deliver on that promise I made everyone to get us a team. All right, and before we go into a little more depth of um, what everyone wants to know about, uh, can you just explain a little bit about your background for the same listeners and how you got involved in this A-League bid process? Yeah, um, I, got, I got involved just over three years ago now, maybe close to four uh, I thought it would maybe take six months, um, but it's taken a lot longer than that time and money. Uh, I guess my, my background is sort of business and finance here, here in Canberra. Uh, at the time I got involved, I was part of a, an apparel company here in Canberra. Uh, we were the first uh, apparel company in Australia to sign a deal for an English championship team, which was Sheffield Wednesday in the, um, the championship in England for their 150th year. Uh, from there, I started growing up, so growing out some football network in Europe. Uh, all of a sudden, we're talking to some of the Liga teams, um, uh, a Serie B team, and, and a few others, uh, and it just got going from there. I had a bit of a football network. I started meeting some football people. To be honest, I, I saw where the Canberra bid was going, and I didn't think it could win. And those that know me know that um, I like to do things uh, in the full and work really hard and push every angle and not stop till it's done and I thought that uh, you know me with some others involved would be the best chance of winning so I got involved awesome all right so let's get started if Russ if Russ or Frank if you guys want to jump in and ask a question you're more than welcome to do that during this process yeah, I mean what sort of kind of questions do you want Michael oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anything except for who the exact investors are right now I think there's a bit of disclosure here. Frank was my coach back in the day at Juventus. He was real hard on me, so he's got to be a little less we, hard We on go me. back because we, we're family. I married his cousin, so... Yeah, full disclosure. Full disclosure. I'll, I'll ask the first question, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Next steps. What's, what's hap- what happens now? <clears throat> yeah, so um, we're directly engaged with the FA, which is refreshing, like I said last week in the news. Um, 
you know, our experiences haven't always been positive with the FFA, um, but now we're working directly to James Johnson, uh, who's got a lot of sway and a lot of ideas of what football should look like going forward. Uh, so we've made our official offer, you know, to the level of uh, showing the FFA and James audited financial statements to show we're an ongoing proposition, we're fully funded, proof of funds, money in bank accounts, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and he, he's taken that away. Um, there's obviously the elephant in the room is the Mariners and the Mariners' license and what happens there. Uh, like again, like I said last week, you know, no one wants to see anyone fail. I don't want to see the Mariners uh, exit the competition. I don't think anyone does. You know, football has history for a reason. These teams belong, and I would never want to see someone else's team fail just so we can get a team. Um, so we want the Mariners to be strong and stay in Gosford. Um, and if that can't happen, uh, for whatever reason, we'd like to be considered. And if uh, that's not the route to do it, we want our own license. We're ready to go. We've got everything they've ever asked for and more. Um, so that's the plan for the, uh, going forward. So over the next couple of weeks, we've got a conversation going with James, uh, regular updates. Uh, and, and then as soon as that changes again, I'll let everyone know what, what, what progress we've made. Mick, did you um, give them a time frame about this? You know, you've put the offer on the table, you've been burnt before. Did you say, look, this is the offer we've got, this is the finance that we've got, you've, they've now got a time frame to return back to it or is it open-ended? Yeah, so our investors have actually given me a time frame. World football's changed a bit in the last six months, 12 months, especially in Europe. Um, our investors in Europe uh, have interest in some of the big teams there. Um, and, and they're looking at acquiring other teams. Um, you know, they say, I can get a team in England now for one less zero off the end. Uh, and the same in Spain, there's a La Liga team you can buy for nine million pounds uh, that they're looking at. Uh, and, and, you know, those opportunities exist right now because of the economic environment in world football. So they've said, you know, in the next four to six weeks, we want to see progress or we'll divert these funds we've set aside for you to another extremely attractive opportunity. It's Canberra first, but we can't wait forever. So we want to see some progress. And you were mentioning how you're working with um, the new FFA um, president. Is that all that's uh, different? Considering two years ago, it was a bit of a different process. Obviously you had other teams involved, but um, is there anything else that, that makes this time different? Because that's what uh, most of Canberra, I'm sure, want to know. How is this different? Yeah, so last time we were in a bidding contest yeah. uh, and we were the bunny to chase, maybe. Um, this time it's an offer. I've made an offer for a team. There's nothing left to do. Uh, we want our own license. Uh, and, you know, it's pretty clear. You know, Canberra stacks up on so many levels. You know, I don't have to tell the Canberra audience why we should have a team, but, you know, we've got more participants per capita than any state in Australia. We've got... 30,000 registered players, 80,000 registered uh, participants that interact with the game every week, and that's just in this region, and it gets more the more you go out. You know, we've got uh, NPL clubs from the region already playing our own leagues. We've got that tight-knit community that already travels and works together. Uh, we've got government funding. I've already sorted all of that out. We have a stadium. We've got a couple of opportunities for a stadium. That uh, So our facilities are great. We've got the home of football coming in Throsby, $20 million and a huge piece of land that, you know, uh, I've shown the plans or, or some of the ideas to some of our investors and like, this is a pro setup. We've got the AIS. I flew an EPL guy out to, to Canberra and he saw it and he said, holy F, this is what EPL teams would do for a setup. So we've got all these facilities. We've got all these things that we need. Um, I said to James Johnson with Bede, uh, you know, we don't have to give you our business case anymore. We don't have to prove why we should be in the comp. Now it's about uh, when we come in. The business case last time was pretty good. Um, the rumours around the tracks obviously were that um, the Fox Sports 
had a huge input into who was selected for that process. Does the lack of a concrete broadcasting deal for the next uh, stage of the A-League help or hinder this process in your opinion? Yeah, again, I said this last week, our investors are sophisticated sports investors um, and it's different to others. Others, maybe that someone wants to build something or has an angle to why they would support a team as well um, as something else they want to do. Uh, and rich guys who've done well in that space and really successful people see value in things, not the prices of things. Um, so they're seeing teams that have traded for 17 million and 13 or 15 million last year and the price that we have an agreement to pay and they see that as value. Uh, you know, will football have a broadcaster? Absolutely. I, can't, I just can't see it not happening. There's too much of a volume, too many potential um, interactors with the sport for a broadcaster not to be interested. I've seen some of the interest myself firsthand um, with, you know, some people probably we'd all love to have as football uh, aficionados involved in the sport. Um, you know, they have some rights to some other football um, competitions here in Australia. So I think that would be very cool. Um, and, and, you know, there is going to be a broadcast uh, a deal in the future. There has to be a broadcast deal. It might be smaller, but we've, you know, our financials right now have uh, post-COVID numbers to show that this is the worst it could be, and even those stack up really well. So you guys aren't worried about that, um, the no TV deal? Because that's when you guys would come in essentially after the TV deal? No, I think, the, the, you know, the key aspects of, of the team still stand up. It's not just about money. It's yeah. about lots of different other things. Um, TV deals just one line item on a profit and loss, uh, and if you're only sink and swim with a broadcast deal, like some of these teams are, you're in big trouble, and we're not. So, Michael, look, we everyone everyone listening here is pretty much local, so you don't have to sell Canberra to us. So, <laughs> Sorry, I was in. No, 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 and I think it's great because I think everybody that's listening in will be hanging their hat on all these things that we've got to offer. How do you go about selling the A League to these investors? Yeah, that was hard. Um, it was easy to sell Canberra. It was hard to sell the A-League. It's been for a while. Um, what's been harder is having investors not getting the progress with the FFA we've wanted or the interaction and they go away and you've got to go find more. And, you know, there ain't a million people lined up around the block looking to buy an A-League license. So I think, you know, Bede and I have done wonderfully well to go and convince, you know, a few investors along the way, some really cool ones. One I mentioned last week that... Um, got me in a little bit of trouble for, for going out there and telling everyone about, but I think it was worthwhile to understand the calibre of investor who's interested in Canberra. Um, what do we sell them on? They're very much interested in Australian talent. They see this region, um, a tight-knit region, everyone all together. Uh, they saw how I had it signed a letter with every single NPL club. I, I went and met them all, asked them what they wanted to do in the sport, how we'd all work together. They loved all that stuff. Um, they loved the government support. Um, that's a big thing for them. They like how there's no capex requirement right now to invest. Um, you know, some of the leagues and some of the teams they have, Australian talent really resonates with them. They, you know, they, they, they see some talent. You know, Tom Rogic has done wonders. They see uh, that guy going well. And that, I said there's other Toms out here. They just don't know because they have, can't put their hand up right now. Um, so th there's a lot of interest there. And, and it's, it's more in Canberra, to be honest. Um, the A-League secondary in these conversations, it's more about camera. I think what shines through here, mate, is that, is that it appears that everybody involved in this bid, and I'll, um, I've done a bit of stuff with you behind the scenes as well, is doing this for the right reasons, and for reasons that um, are for the game itself rather than for their own gain. And is that something you're 
you're um, seeing with everybody you're talking to that everybody wants to be involved because um, it's in Canberra and they want a team here? Yeah, no one said no. I think everyone's always had our back and that's one thing for us that's worked really well as well. Um, everyone's open to a conversation. Everyone always plays their part. When we call on someone where we can to do something, they do. Uh, again, last week when I was on SBS, I mentioned, um, got me in a bit of trouble. Uh, how much you know I'd spent personally on trying to get a team and my wife I made a joke out of it but you know she quizzed me about it when I got home but you know it's been beat and I in our own money but you know we've counted on so many other favours from so many people in Canberra you know uh, example PwC has given us more than $100,000 worth of consulting work for free uh, you know those statements don't prepare themselves those guys are awesome um, and there's so many others so uh, it it's actually drives you on when you know everyone that wants it uh, and you're in a position to do something about it, it sort of drives you on and you don't want to stop till it's done. And you, uh, on the world game, when you mentioned about the investors, um, since you said you got in a bit of trouble, I mentioned what that was, anyone could go watch it. No, you can mention it because it's, right. it's out there now. PSG funded uh, backers uh, Qatari Sports Investment Group, if I'm not mistaken, is what you said. Mm. Um, have, they, have they moved on or have you got new... Um, new um, Investors, I know you mentioned that you have uh, local investors as well on the show. How important is that as well to have a local investor? Yeah, so um, QSI, I mentioned them last week. So uh, the premise there was they had a, a senior executive at Bean Sports. Uh, they own a lot of things, QSI. They own um, Qatari Airways, Porsche, Volkswagen. I mentioned all these, also PSG. But another interesting one is Bean. Um, and what they were trying to do is to re-engage with the football world, Qatar, um, to get people to see them as a friendly football citizen, uh, to get people to go to the World Cup. There's been a lot of negativity around the World Cup, them winning the World Cup, how they won the World Cup, how they've been building their stadiums, all the human rights stuff, and they wanted to start turning that round. Um, you know, not just buying that, but turning it round. Um, so they empowered this senior executive um, to, to look into projects around the world that, you know, were good football projects that could return to the game. Uh, and he happened to see me in the news and reached out uh, and we got talking. Uh, and it real quickly became bigger than just me and a Canberra Ailey team. It was, you know, we're talking about national food contracts and Julie Bishop's office calling my mobile phone and saying, hey, we've heard about this. I'm like, how'd you hear about it? And she's like, we want to be involved. And, you know, 2 a.m. phone call to the, um, the ambassador to Doha or Qatar um, and he was um, you know asking he'd heard on his end and I don't even know him we'd heard, we, they'd heard about it as well so uh, what really sold them on us again was Canberra uh, and, and you know the ability to have things like access to government or soft diplomacy the fact that the government was willing to tip in the one team town the regional tight knit together um, the participation numbers, how you could say, you know, you combine every other winter code combined and you still have more football players. Like, holy shit, um, all that sort of stuff. So um, that that was there. They, we went into the expansion process with them, the expansion decision. Um, and the difference probably between us and others, that, you know, to, to give you a feel for who else we had, they were probably even the richest guys in the room for us, um, which is insane. Uh, and those types of guys don't put money in a bank account, which is what FFA wanted. Like, give us the money in a bank account. I'm like, these guys don't do that. I, I made a joke about it again last week. 
uh, I asked one of them, said, you know, we might need $15 million for a license. And he started laughing. He goes, do you want to put on my credit card over the phone? Um, <laughs> do you know, these are those types of guys. So they don't put money in a bank account. Um, and that was the difference. We, we sort of lacked for, not for money, but for time to work with the FFA. And they wanted to make a hard decision. And I think it was maybe a little bit about what money could they tip into the coffers right away. Going on from that, you know, after the expansion, we were still engaged with the FFA and we were still talking to QSI. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we didn't get the support we required to keep talking to them and they went off and did other things. Uh, but since then, you know, we've managed to, to sell that um, to, to them. You know, there's, there's been, I could probably write a book, I know Russ loves to write books. On, um, there's the next project, Russ. Yeah, yeah, on, on who we talk to, like the things I pitched in my lounge room. We mentioned we would do one. I remember saying it back when we were talking about the initial bid when it's coming in. Well, there'll be there will be one when it's done when the team's in place. I reckon, yeah. I reckon if you if you if catch charges by the word, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> oh, I love to talk. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have guessed it, catch. Can I can I ask us one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one question. Um, look, I mean, obviously, Canberra's been down this path, and Canberra's been out of a national league or national competition for for decades now. And there's probably a level of skepticism around the community, the football community. If you had one message to give all the, the players, the coaches, the supporters, the people that have been there and seen it and seen it fail, what would it be? Um, when I get a team back me up and, and, and front up because you told me all you want it, so when I go and do it, um, back me up and, and come watch the team, strive to play for the team, sponsor the team, whatever it takes. All right. And um, there's a few other like sort of specifics that I've, talk to a few people and they sort of want to know so I guess one issue some people have if you guys acquire the Mariners bit is people are worried that it'll be like called Canberra Mariners or something like that and it'd be like a you know sort of a weird hybrid sort of thing because mm. um, obviously we had that game ages ago where the Mariners came and um, Canberra didn't support it and they kept saying your team your team and the Canberra Canberra people, you know, they, they want their own sort of team. So uh, would you be able to, like, if you guys end up acquiring their bid, would it be just a refresh or would it be sort of like a Canberra Mariners? Yeah, I think the first thing is that game actually helped us when I was talking to investors. Okay. Um, you had last and second last by a mile and 4,500 people went and watched. And I said, that is hardcore football fans in Canberra that will go watch two flies kick a football around a park. So it only goes up from there when we've got our own team. So that was actually a good thing for us. Uh, in terms of the Mariners. So, so to be clear, you know, all of us in the team and me and myself and Bede, we, we don't want to see the Mariners fail. Yep. We, we do not want teams going out of the, the competition. Our investors uh, um, wouldn't want to see that either. A strong team is, a strong league is a growing league. Uh, teams staying, there's a lot of history there. You know, the Mariners are champions. You don't want to write that. Football's not like that. You don't turn a team off. Uh, and, and we don't want to see that happen, to be super clear. Uh, if they can stay in Gosford and they can survive, great. If they can't for whatever reason and that's a way for us to have our team, okay, that's what we want to explore. If it's not, we want our own team anyway. And that's what I've been talking to James Johnson about and that's what's going to happen. To be super clear, so anyone who doesn't or, or might think differently, we will have our own team with our own identity, its own badge, its own name, its own colours and everyone in the community will decide that. That's the promise I made at the start. It's everyone's not mine to make. Just a quick one on that, and uh, I know we've spoken about this beforehand as well. Where would you see women's football sitting in part of this? Because obviously Canberra United is a big part of this community, and mm. there's a worry amongst some of the supporters of that that it would dwarf um, what they've got and maybe just absorb them with no interest. Um, I know pretty well that the, 
you've seen the bid in the first instance, there was a huge amount for women's football in there. Can you explain a little bit about how that will work as well? Yes. Yeah, so one of the first things we did was talk to, you know, the administrators of the W team, which is Capital Football. We've enjoyed a really close working relationship with them. Um, you know, and we actually have a signed MOU that we're revisiting this week, uh, which sets out what we'd want to do with the W League team. We have an agreement to bring them across, to bring them hopefully to the next level with all respect, along with what we do with the A League team. And the A League team's going to bring a lot more resources and capital football, uh, football administrators. They're just stuck administering a W League team right now. Uh, so we have that MOU, and in that MOU, it specifically talks about honouring the legacy, the history, the brand everything about Canberra United, that's there and not messing with that. Uh, and that's exactly what we won't be doing. Uh, and, and, and it will be about working together and bringing them into our organisation in a way that um, respects all of that and, and hopefully takes them to the next level. I think I closed the investors with Bede, not even mentioned the W League team. And when I told them about we had a W League team and you get that for free in inverted commas, they were like, holy yes, you know, women's football is exploding in Europe. and. Uh, Australian players are the flavour of the month and they're like, holy moly, you know, look at all these girls we've seen have touched Canberra, this is next level, they're doing their own research, so it's only another positive. Uh, and that's right, because even like when um, it was announced that SP, uh, sorry, ESPN in America or ESPN Plus got the A-League, the, uh, then the sort of stories came out, the real reason why they wanted the A-League is because they wanted the W-League, that's the real reason, because a lot of their players played in the W-League at the time, so the women's football is definitely booming in that regard and uh, you've mentioned a lot 50 plus one model you've mentioned um, how the fans are going to be uh, super into how in the identity of the club to begin with can you just explain that a little bit yeah so at this at, you know once we've got a license and, and things die down a bit we'll start this community engagement plan and it will be working with the community like we have the community forums and listen to uh, what your team you know what you want your team to look like and what you want it to stand for I think the only thing I my vision is it to be you know, unashamedly about the Canberra region, Canberra players, Canberra people on and off the field, uh, you know, the, the capital region in effect, everyone from around the community and that's how we're going to put people in the stands and that's how we're going to have success on the field and that's how we're going to develop uh, the region. In terms of the process um, to start up the club, you know, we'll, we'll have like almost like a vote uh, to, to establish the name and the colours and the brand but I think more importantly the values what the club stands for each year. We've got this hybrid 50 plus one. It's a mix of the German one and I think it's the Swedish one. You've got to change it because of Australian corporations law. You've got directors who have to own the club, investors, and you can't have Matt Nicoletti responsible for the debts of an A-League club. So you've got to separate them a little bit. So how you do that is you have a member association. So when you get your annual membership, uh, you become part of the membership association and you get to vote on certain things that the club does every year with its money. So we'll have like a community f budget and you'll say, okay, I want as many kids to play football for free in Canberra and we'll go and do that. Or we want to put a football person in every school in the capital region and we'll go and do that. So that's where you guys will play a part. And uh, you mentioned capital region. You've said before that it's not it, Canberra's the main, obviously the main sector of this bid. But you did say you wanted to sort of get involved in other places like Wagga, Griffith, South Coast. Uh, can you explain what you sort of guys would like to do there if you get a license? Well, I say Canberra. It's probably a slip of the tongue. It's actually capital region. Yeah. All our documentation is capital region. The company's the capital region, which I'm a director of. Uh, it's Southern New South Wales, and I went. Uh, you know that song I've been everywhere man I've actually been everywhere I met every association I met every NPL club went to Griffith had Vino's with the Italian guys and 
sausage and talked about football. I uh, went to Kuma, I went to Goulburn, uh, and it's about the region. It's the only way it will work as well, to bring everyone together. Uh, there is 1.2 million people within two hours drive of Canberra, and that's the base you've got to build off. And talk about building this thing, you said, um, you've said you really want this to uh, be for the region, and part of that is mostly um, the opportunities that will come. And not only will this create opportunities for players, it will create opportunities for, you know, local referees, media workers, sports workers, sports scientists, you name it. Um, how important is that for you to make this about the local workers and make this a Canberra team? Yeah, everything. I, I was up front. It, it would be easier to find any investor. They've had a lot of investors that were interested, but, you know, we're adamant when we talk to investors, it's about involving the region. Um, you know, there are some key... European um, advisors that will come out from the European investment group and that's uh, in certain key areas within the club but the agreement I have with them is to put people from the region around them to take them to the next level uh, I'm looking to create careers for people off the field and on the field in football um, you know I was never good enough to be have a career on the field but maybe I can have one off the field and that's the same for, for boys and for girls uh, and that's something I'm determined to do uh, so, you know, referees, uh, sports administrators, you're talking to the university about setting up a sports division and you can go there and do your football licences or you can go there and do sports administration and then you can come through the club and that could be your internship and then you can, you know, if you, you kill it in Canberra, you can go to one of these uh, teams they own in Spain or England or Italy. Yeah, so sort of, sort of like, um, like the Raiders and Brumbies have with UC, sort of that sort of partnership sort of thing? Better than that. Better than that. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. I guess I have to ask this because this is what everyone, <laughs> or everyone always asks, even though it's not technically related to the bid. Everyone uh, keeps talking about this Civic Stadium. Obviously, with COVID now, that's probably uh, I would say a no go. But um, before COVID, it was uh, considered if an A League team came in that um, Bar would be more willing to accept that because it would go all year round. But then maybe the A League. In, if they get a new TV deal, it might not be during the summer. So what do you what, what do you think about that situation there? Yeah, I think right now, there's more important things to pay for than a stadium. We have a stadium, it works, it could be better, it could be worse. Um, so right now, um, we have what we have and let's concentrate on spending things uh, that get us through this period. No doubt a stadium's coming. I've seen the plans, I know where it's going within reason. There's a couple of spots it can go. Um, and it's coming. You can't stop a Canberra Stadium coming. Andrew Barr came out publicly and said, you need more than 30 events a year, I think it is, to, to have a new Canberra Stadium. It's the usage of it. Uh, and we play a role in that, for sure. Uh, so it, it will come. And this is one step in that direction. It might not come as soon as we all want it, uh, but it, it will come. Uh, and then I think that will only take us to the next level again, having a new stadium. All right, and I guess the uh, the main question everybody wants to know is um, what is your deadline? I've seen in a lot of these articles it's you have four to six weeks uh, or the international investors um, won't be as interested or they'll, um, or they'll want to move elsewhere. What, um, what do you think it'll be? Will it be four to six weeks? Will it be a bit longer? Will it be a bit shorter? Or uh, I've taken a week at a time at the moment. Uh, the investors want to see progress in the next month to month and a half you know like I said there is a lot of opportunity in world football at the moment um, we are at the top of their list and they're prepared to hold on to that for a while um, 
but you know after a while that goes away it's like when you're shopping for a house if you can't get the one you want you've got to still live somewhere or if you want to buy an investment house you know you're going to go look and spend that money that's not making any interest in the bank on something that might return and they've said you know there's a lot of opportunities there you've convinced us that that this is the one we want to be in but we need to know um the football people in your country want us you know they want our investment this is that, that money, they're not just buying a license. That's an investment in Australian football. That's an investment in boys and girls to maybe play in a World Cup one day because without that sort of investment, those kids don't get that opportunity. So that's that's what it's about. So that's a free kick for the game. It's overseas money betting on our sport. All right, and is there um, anything you want to say to all the supporters before you head out? Uh, yeah, I think the next two to four weeks are really important for us. I told you guys before we started uh, talking tonight. So... Keep strong, keep with us, um, make noise. If you see things on social, like them, share them, you know, make comments, because that stuff's all being watched. We've claimed we've got the most active, unrepresented football community in Australia, and we're proving it every day with everything we do online. So just keep that up for the next few weeks. And Michael Caggiano went to see the FFA, and as I said on my Facebook page, the next day Leo Messi handed in a transfer request. So. Keep your eyes that, peeled on that yeah, one. Yeah, coincidence. That's eh? true. You might have to fight with your Gali on that one. Did you see the Facebook page on that? I did. I think they, uh, <laughs> we, we had first dibs, didn't we? <laughs> oh, I, if you can afford Messi, he's all yours. <laughs> I want him to go to Napoli and do the old Maradona again. All right. So, like I said, thank you so much for coming on, Michael. And thank you to the rest of your team that have done such a fantastic job. And more importantly, I guess what everyone's uh, even more grateful for is you guys didn't give up once um, you guys didn't uh, get that team back in 2018. So you guys will, I'm sure, will, uh, the Canberra football community will be forever f- grateful for you guys. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks, guys. All right, it was fantastic to have Michael on from the Canberra A-League bid. Now we are into NPL1. Of course, I've got the main commentary duo, uh, at least one game a week with... Russ and Frank Kasia. Guys, let's get started with the first match you guys did on the weekend. Belconnen 2-0 over Tigers FC. Flores and Danning with the goals. Belconnen only needed a draw, I think, to make the, the final series, and they did. Uh, but, of course, they went the extra mile and won it to seal their way into the finals. This, um, this loss for Tigers left the fate out of their hands, and they needed Tugron to either draw or to lose for, for them to make it through which went in their favour, as we'll discuss later on. Um, Frank, uh, you, can, you can start. What did you think of the game? Oh, to be honest, I was probably a little bit disappointed with the Tigers. I just thought they um, they sort of went through the motions a little bit and there wasn't really a threat on the Belconnen goal outside of maybe a bit of a flourish towards the back end of the game when, when the game was already won and Belconnen were 2-0 up. And um, I full credit to Bill Connor. You know, they've probably been a bit of a surprise packet all season. Um, Russ, you know, they they finished outside the four last year, and and to be, you know, you, you've seen them be competitive in every game. They could have easily got results against um, Gungahlin and Croatia. Um, they've beaten the Tigers, so they they'll probably go in the top four finals um, with a bit of confidence. Well, you might you might agree with me. I think their back four is is really strong. They've got a good goalkeeper in in Jordan Thurtell. The back four with um, Darren Beatty one side and Zach Mabry the other with Phil Bourgeau and Isaac Clements is very strong. And to be fair, once they scored on the weekend, they never looked like losing the game. There was hardly a chance created from the Tigers. And I think that would be the worrying thing for Ryan Grogan is without Rocco Stricker, who um, has broken his wrist and is probably not going to be available for finals, the creativity just goes out the window. You're taking my lines. We were talking about this before. <laughs> I said Rocco. 
will make a huge difference in there. He'd take him alive. But he does. And Jared Tanini's hamstring injury as well didn't help. His energy and his effervescence that he brings to this team is missed. Um, he, he'll probably be back for the weekend. Um, whether or not that's going to make the difference for them. Uh, where are they going to get the goals from? The, create, the creative chance. I mean, you know, I, I, we were just laughing about it now, but I like my minutes. 225 minutes since they've scored a goal. Um, Sam Whitty is scoring a bit of a worldie uh, with that solo run against Olympic, but they've just not looked likely. No, and, and, and even when you look at their substitutions, I, I think it was telltale for me was um, Hassan Faresh came on, was probably their most effective substitution. That was the first game he's, he's played all season. Um, and going into a Final Four series where they haven't beaten any of those teams in the in the, the other three sides. Um, I think he's, Ryan's got a lot of work to do before coming into those final series to, to get something out of that. But it is the Tigers, and we know on their day that they can turn up and play a completely different brand of football to what we see from some weeks after another, isn't it? It's, it's strange that they do that. It is, but I think this is a different Tigers to the a Gabby Wilk Tigers, where they've got two Argentinians and you know other players that are, are coming to the party. It's... Um, it's a bit like Olympic, I think, this year in that it's it's been a bit of a pivotal year, almost a rebuilding type year. Um, and I know that I think Ryan's there for a few years yet, from from what I understand. So it's something that they can build on. But I think going into that final four series, they they will be looking um, at a pretty tall order in front of them. You mentioned it to me in commentary on the weekend. Luca Flores moving from um, a wide position back up front again. Looks a different player. And his partnership with Kofi Downing is, is really beginning to flourish. And, and Flores scored his goal with a header. Probably, and well, I definitely think he should have at least had another one, if not two. And he's looking very sharp. And as I said, that partnership coming to fruition at the right time. Yeah, and, and if we are talking telltale for me, it was... Um, you know, Dustin Wells doesn't have the huge influence that he does on Bill Conan that he used to. Um, he hasn't scored a goal this season. No, but he, he's been playing well. But Bill Conan has been playing well even with Dusty sort of flying under the radar a bit. And I think that's a really good sign for Paul Makel. And he's been playing a bit deeper, isn't he, as well, Dustin? He's not quite got his shooting boots on and um, been playing in that in almost like a withdrawn role and allowing those younger boys around him, the McCaw boys and that, to, to make the running for him. Um, but no doubt, come finals time, he'll have an influence on uh, it. And we mentioned this game one, Russ. You know, the, the, the inclusions that they brought in, Fertel, Bailey and Danning, were three of the better inclusions that you could find going around. And congratulations to Jordan Thurtell and Darren Bailey, 50 MPL games up for them. And it was good that I put a better photo of Jordan Thurtell up on Facebook than Russ picked. Yeah, you picked one from about 15 years <laughs> He's ago. He's wearing blue. I stole one from the Canberra Times. <laughs> Before we move on to the next game, what have, you mentioned uh, defensively, uh, Bell Cotton, how they've been pretty solid all season. And um, even there's some matches where they'll sit back and be a little more pragmatic. Um, do you think that gives them an edge heading into the final series as no one really sort of has that defensive sort of game that they I th- do. I think it's a credit to what Paul and Danny McCaw have done there. They've realised what they've got in terms of a structure and they've built a team around that and, and gone, where's our strengths lie? And and you might not agree with that, Frank, but it's, it, it seems to me that they've gone, OK, I've got a really solid back four. I mean, they've got a settled 11 and that's a big difference to most teams. Um, and they have a regular um, group of about four or five substitutes of young boys that they bring on as well. And having that settled 11, and we've seen it amongst other teams, you mentioned it about Canberra Olympic, have had, you mentioned it in the commentary for the Canberra-Croatia Tuggeron game we were on in stability, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, that stability is key because there's so many teams in a short season, and we've mentioned it on here before, momentum, 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 all the time we talk about it. And that's probably it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I agree with, with, the, with the comment. That the only thing I would say is if you are comparing... The back fours. Um, you look at Canberra, Croatia, and even if you look at Gungal, and um, you know you, you're talking about Gubrasa, you're talking about Subasic, you know Rikic, Pavlak, Lamb, 
you know, Bobulus on the bench, you know, even if you're talking about Kongali, you know, Jack Green, Lockie Griffiths, you know, these sort of guys, um, they've all got good defensive setups. You know, and even if, you know, depending on, on how Ryan Gregan plays Tigers on the weekend, he could easily pull Nathan Magic back. He'll probably hate me saying that, but pulling back <laughs> to centre back and, and, and partnering up with Spasevsky and, and seeing how he goes that way, because that would actually give him a bit more stability. Sorry, Nathan. Just, just a quick question <laughs> on that on the weekend. Um, we saw Ryan Grogan substitute Lawrence Redmond straight after an error. Um, for a goal, uh, I don't know whether that was an injury enforced substitution. We didn't really talk about it at the time. Do you think that if it wasn't an injury enforced substitution, what does that message give to to those players? In your opinion, as a former coach, um, do you think it might have been a planned substitution anyway? No, I don't, um, and I don't particularly think it's a positive message. Um, but again, I don't know what's been said pre-game. Um, training and all that. So exactly, we just speculate here. We are speculating, yeah. and, I, and I guess it looked to me like that was a reaction to the mistake, uh, and maybe the number of mistakes or over the course of the season. And you know, it was a, it was a game that they probably saw getting away from them, uh, and potentially a top four berth getting away from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, there was no signs of injury. I, I suppose the, the telltale will be this weekend if. Redmond lines up in that starting 11 or if he's on the bench and available. And he's done well, hasn't he, since he's come up from State League, Lawrence Redmond, over the last two seasons. He's actually been one of the mainstays in that back four for them. And um, yeah, it's just unfortunate for him on the weekend the way it panned out. But uh, they both get to go again this weekend and we'll wait and see what happens. Indeed, and I'll ask you a little bit about their chances later. But uh, for next to the next match, we've got Monaro Panthers, Gungahlin, a stalemate, nil nil at Riverside Stadium. Of course, Gungahlin had the slim possibility of winning the league if they won this match and if Canberra Croatia lost um, due to that whole um, registration issue with Olympic. However, a draw uh, more than sent Gungahlin to the final series and a draw for, for Manara meant the wooden spoon because, of course, Woden Wesson about an hour later defeated Olympic. Uh, Russ, you commentated this game uh, at Manara. It wasn't actually as cold as uh, usual. Uh, what did you uh, think about this match? Yeah, it was quite balmy actually. To be honest, yeah. it was a nice it was a nice evening up it there. It was and cold at Melrose, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and and the uh, the um, hospitality was fantastic as it always is at the Riverside <laughs> Stadium. Uh, it was a, it was a strange old game because Gagarin United needed three points to put the pressure on Canberra Croatia and, and force them to to get something from the game on the Sunday, and they seemed rather flat. And again, they they kept possession, which they always do, changed the tactics somewhat. Um, the long diagonal balls from Jack Green that we saw throughout the season in, into the channels weren't quite there. They played through the middle a lot more than they had in the past. And to be fair, the back the back four of the Panthers, particularly Jenkins and Eli Howe in the middle, were outstanding in, in dealing with any threat that came forward. But real lack of, of opportunities for Gungahlin. Josh Galeski hit the crossbar, closest they came. Other than that, there wasn't really a lot to trouble Nathan Alfred in goal. And whether that's worrying for Marcel Munoz, because take away the, the two goals they scored in quick succession at the end of that game against um, Canberra Olympic in the 3 all, which was overturned, they've struggled for goals. They struggled against Tuggeron United. They was, wasted some chances in a 2-1 loss there. And they struggled against Tigers when Jack Green popped up with that injury time winner. So whether or not they're just saving them up and they're going to give someone an absolute hiding sooner rather than later, we'll see. But yeah, a strangely lethargic and flat performance from a side that needed three points. And Maybe maybe the lack of a trophy on the line. That memo came out from Capital Football in the week saying no trophies would be awarded um, to the NPL winners. Maybe that had something to do with it and they were like, well, we'll wait and get our trophy in the grand final series if we can get our performances up to scratch. Yeah, Crash is still going to consider it and, and, as, and rightfully so. Uh, what, what did you think about the result? Probably two things that stood out for me in the result was 
just looking at the table now and looking at the, the last few games, going Garland haven't. You know, let's 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 call the, the 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 Olympic game a draw without the. Um, but let's just call it as a, as a draw for that for all intents and purposes. They haven't won a game in I think three or four weeks now. Gungarlan and Monero have actually um, lost as many games as Tigers, who made the top four. So, you know, there's probably two two things that the coaches are probably looking at. I think Marcel will be. Um, I, I think Marcel's got something up his sleeve. I don't think Gungarlan are, are, are playing at their best, and he knows that. And I'm sure that he'll get the best out of them in the next three or four weeks. I think Jimmy Canaridis is probably looking at the season, thinking we're one goal, one goal away from Tigers, we're one goal away from Canberra Croatia. Um, they ran Olympic to three-one, but it could have been two-one up on the you know, straight after halftime and and in the lead. Um, the one game that they did get touched up was against Borconnen, but they were two late goals and they had opportunities before that. Russ and I know you said they were pretty hard done. They they could have scored two or three before they before they conceded the first in that one. And uh, again, like yeah, the point you're making, it's it is true. Yeah. So I mean, to me, there was two things that came out of that was Gungahlin aren't performing at their best, and Monero probably a little bit unlucky, having a little bit unlucky to, to be sitting at the bottom of the table after seven games. And that's not taking any, anything away from Woden or, or anything like that. That's just... Yeah, bounce of the ball here, a bit of luck there, and and they um, they probably higher up the table than they are. I mean, there was a chance in that game against Balconnen and Ahmed Tribe is headed wide from six yards and it looked easier to score from when he put and, the pace in. And just those would, things. And would that change over the course of, you know, 21 games or something like that? Yeah. Could, could they catch that up? Could they take some momentum into the next round and, and you know, potentially push for a top four? You know, at the end of the day, what are they, five? They finish with five, five points. points. Mm. They're four points off top four. Mm. So, so there wasn't a lot in it, was there? No. And I think, he, as, you, as you mentioned, the games that they lost, I mean, the, it was the 92nd minute against Canberra, Croatia, and the Tigers game, they were very much in control of that till the penalty decision brought it back to one all, and then they, they just, just signed, kind of lost the belief that they could get something from that game after being in front for so long. Uh, they've got a young group there in, in terms of age, in terms of experience. They've all played a lot of MPL football. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where they go next season. First off, they've got this bottom four series, which we can talk about a bit later, but I'm sure that nobody really wants to be playing it if you're in that. It's a bit like a third and fourth playoff at a World Cup, except you're doing it over three or four weeks and you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll be really interested to see what the coaches of the four teams that are in that bottom four actually use this for, whether they're going to start blooding some younger players and we're going to see some new faces to uh, to talk about over the next few weeks or so. So it's going to be interesting, but I mean, it, it, it's not where either of these te- those teams want to be. For Gungarlin, you know, onwards and upwards, they'll, they'll push on for grand final if they can. But in, uh, we'll talk about Gungarlin a little later, but in terms of Monaro, do you feel that there will be a bit of pressure on um, considering they came last, uh, considering that they spent like a, de- a good amount. I understand it's a shorter season, but they spent more money than someone like a Woden or a Tuggeron or something like that. And they didn't, weren't able to get the best out of their players, or at least not results wise, uh, maybe performance wise compared to like a Tuggeron, for example, Mitch Stevens only just missing out on the top four. Do you feel like, um, There'll be a, uh, a bit of pressure when they come to chat at the end of the season? or I feel it's all relative, to be honest, um, okay. in terms of, of where they are. Um, I don't think pressure is probably the right word. I mean, they've spent a bit of money. Yeah, they have. They, they want to be better than they are. They didn't obviously spend that money to finish bottom of the pile. Um, but for a bounce of a ball here and there, they wouldn't be. So I think it's all relative in terms of... Um, of where they're going next season and the only people that can really answer that question is the Monero Panthers board and whether they've got 
the patience to, to stay with the project where they are and the players that they've got. As we all know in Canberra, Frank, you've been there as a coach as well. Um, keeping the core group of your players together in this in this um, town is very difficult in, in when other clubs come sniffing, especially, and we've talked about it here, especially considering the, the movement between, you know, you've got Tuggerong to Belcon and it's 25 minutes and they're the two farthest teams without Kuma. You know, keeping those players together it is hard and it's always difficult to plan for forthcoming years. Yeah, uh, look, I'll, I'll probably say something that it's probably a real personal one for me is that there's this big sort of misconception or this, this big sort of push that if a team spends more money or if a team plays younger players, you know, oh, we spent less money and we've got younger players so that gives us some sort of moral high ground. Absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. We all start at zero. You put 11 players out in the field and if you're good enough to attract the right players and get the best out of them, good luck to you. Don't, don't you know, so don't, you know, don't, don't sort of give me that line that, oh, we've got all these young guys so we get a head start or we get some sort of latitude. No, you don't. That's professional. That's sport for you, it's, isn't it? Anyway, that you, you just get drives you me get, mad. Yeah. It really does. It drives me mad. It doesn't give you a head start. It doesn't give you some sort of moral high ground, unless that's what you want to take it. But to me, I think that that sounds like a ready-made excuse. Do you do you feel that this season that that clubs are blooding younger players are because it is a shorter season and because look, there is no there is no real there's no doubt for it. there's no doubt in my mind that results went certain ways because of a truncated season. You know, had. I'll give you an example. On the weekend, um, Olympic had to beat Woden by five to get through. Now, let's just go back. If, if they had a player registered, which they should have, they would have only needed to win that game. They would have, they would have you know, gone into that game a different, with a different mentality, different attitude. They would have just thought, even at one all, just need one goal. We don't need to get frustrated. We'll get over the top of these guys. Or you know, at least that, that would have been the mindset instead of, we're done, we, we can't get three or four goals in the next 15 minutes. Um, but you're right. You know the whole the whole shortening of the season meant that different player and and you can never see that from Gungahlin. Marcel set up a squad for thirty odd games, you know, and you know his his rotation would have probably worked a lot better over the course of twenty odd league games than it does over seven. And that, I guess that comes back to your point about the Panthers and and what they spent. They've not spent the money to play seven league games of football. And had they been twenty one games, as you said, maybe they would have pushed that on. So that's why I mean in pressure is a relative term is because I don't think any any board or any people in their right mind would be saying to their coaches or their staff right now what you've done isn't good enough because the preparation into it was so different to what we used to no I've got to be honest with you, no coach should be sacked at the end of this year no no coach should be sacked if they they'll step away if they want to they yeah. step away if yeah. they want to but no coach in my mind should be sacked I, I 100% agree yeah. and but before we move on in terms of you talk, talked about keeping the core um Obviously, everyone thinks differently. Every player thinks differently. Will it, like, I understand it was a shortened season, but will it hurt Monaro in terms of keeping a core a majority of players if, if they came last? Because every, I know everyone thinks differently. I, I think no, no, I, you don't think that'll matter? Just well, I, I think that all depends on who's coaching the team next year, if it's Jimmy Canarides or someone else, and whether they like those players or whether those players fit into the culture and the fit that that, that coach wants to bring to the team. And, and the coach has got the upper hand there because basically, if he really wants to, he can say, well... You finished last. Yep. What's to keep you here? I think I saw enough from them, though, that from the, yeah, from right. quite a group of that players, that it's, it's a good core group. We mentioned it at the start of the year. I saw them in some friendlies, saw them in the first two games. Really unlucky. Um, someone's got to finish last. Um, and, and unfortunately for Monero Panthers, it's them. But they've got three weeks now. 
depending again on how they want to play this final series, they might see it as a chance of a bit of redemption. They can get three wins here and, and pick up the fifth place or whatever on, on the ladder. They might think that, yeah, that's that's well, better. It, it could actually be a little bit of a, a motivation to keep players going or, or, or attract new players. You know, you, you, know, you finish... These guys in in that bottom four, the one thing they can probably look forward to is they can one of one of those teams is going to finish the season on a win. Had you you know um, you know very rarely do you get that opportunity, even in the top four. You make the top four, and, and you know we, at Olympic we you know we made I think four grand finals in a row. Um, unless you win it, you sort of sit on that loss for three months, yep. three six months, whatever, till you play your next game. It's not a great feeling. So, you know, I think if, if I was talking to a team in the, in the bottom four, I'd be saying, you've actually got an opportunity to finish this, this season with three or four wins. Yeah, sort of. A, in, indeed, indeed. Okay, so next up we have Woden Western, Canberra Olympic 3-1, Barisic, Anderson with two goals, and Calabria with a goal for Canberra Olympic. Huge win for Woden Western, uh, which confirmed, of course, they wouldn't come last. It seemed like scoring their first goal two weeks back when they lost uh, was sort of the monkey off their back. They've won two straight games since then. Uh, it was already going to be a tough task for Olympia, like you mentioned before, Frank. They needed to score four-plus goals or something like that to make the finals. What uh, was one of your thoughts on the uh, this matchup? Um, the result was surprising uh, in, in terms of what we thought might happen beforehand. Frank was there, so I'm going to ask Frank the question. Um, we knew that they needed to win by four clear goals, Canberra Olympic. Win... Marte Barasic scored that opener. What was the body language like of the Canberra Olympic players? Was that it? Or did they suddenly go, well, we're not going to do this now? Or was there still that fight that you would expect to see in this team? Um, a good question, Russ. I suppose it was probably a big, bit of a mixed bag. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the issues that, that, Robert, that Rob's had this year is that you know, you've got some that um, were, OK, we can get this back, whereas others looked like they were quite deflated. Um, and I think that's, that makes it tough. Uh, on, on any coach so and, and I think even watching that game live you could see from the very get-go that Olympic sort of it almost looked like they, they the players had decided that they need to score four goals in ten minutes you know it wasn't we can grind these guys down you know, if we can get one nil up you know we score first we can build on that it was we need to score four we need to score five whatever and and I think that that probably hurt them a bit um it's, a, it's been a surprising season for them. You look at them on paper and they're not a side that should be in a situation where, a situation where they are, but they, as I say, the table doesn't lie at the end of the season. Uh, it's not been great for them in terms of, of performance and in terms of results. How hard is it going to be now for Robbie to, to lift these players for the next three weeks in, in the half of the draw where they particularly don't want to be? Or, again, is it going to be one of those things where he goes, well, nothing to lose here. The under-23s, I understand, had a really good year. Does he let the under-23s play for their finals or does he start blooding those players? Yeah, I, I guess there's probably... He, he might get forced into a situation where you've got Calabria who'll get suspended, you've got Nick Force who did a hamstring and Tim Bobolas who, who carried an injury and, and you know substituted on for Nick Force and then got substituted himself. So he's probably down to the bare bones anyway. Um, look, and... And, and look, I've got, I've got to be honest with you, I've actually spent a fair bit of time watching 23s this year. Um, the gap between the two competitions is massive. Um, so even though, yeah, and we've seen this before, you know, we saw it with Monero. Monero were, I think, perennial grand finalists in 23s and yet their first grade had finished last or second last. There's a big difference between the two grades. So it's not just a matter of, you know, the best 23 step up and play first grade and, and walk straight into a side and, and make a difference. But Do we see, do we see, sorry to cut you off, do we see um, since Monaro and, and Olympic, both in those situations where they're not in the final four, 
do we see them drop a decent amount of players to the 23s because oh, they're both in finals? No, I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, just, just the question I, th- I uh, thought I'd throw to out. To be honest, I was more worried about teams in that top four uh, potentially picking up players in the bottom four with the transfer window sort of closing today. Uh, and there's no reason why, to, within the rules, that a Dominici or... And I'm just pulling out names, but let's say a Dominici or a Popovich could have got approached by a, a Tigers or a, or a Canberra Croatian, and that's not in the spirit of the game, I don't think. So we're talking negativity, uh, negatively, obviously, about Canberra Link, Olympic. I want to talk a bit positively about Yuli De Silva and Woden Weston and the way he's turned that around. They went, as I mentioned in commentary at the time, 440-odd minutes without a goal. They got their goal. They did lose that game against Canberra, Croatia. But the way he's built that culture through that team um, to get to where they are now and two wins in a row against Tigers FC and Canberra Olympic, two big wins as well and and good ones for them also. And I think the lack of goals they're conceding as well, they're getting a bit solid, more solid. Their pickups, as you mentioned, the Barisic boys, um, his big Blaise Vlaslowski comes in um, to the team as well. And Jay Seldon, who um, started the season on the bench but has come into the, the squad, He's built his side there, and, and another example of a short season where they've lost the first four. And normally you'd go, okay, you know, where do they go from here? But they picked it up, and yeah, you, do you think they're going to be a, a, a threat in the bottom four well, they're, finals? They're the only team in that bottom four finals that are coming in off two wins. Um, you know, Tuggeron got five games unbeaten, but they're coming off two wins, and that's massive. Um, and it, you know, we, we spoke about how even the competition was, you know, Monero have lost as many games as Tigers and they're, they're four points off top four, but it also shows that a couple of quality in, inclusions, like the, the Barisic boys, Mate and Nicola, plus Selden, you know, and I think Selden's probably fl- flown under the radar a bit from people because he was Institute, Perth Glory, Australian and seven, eight, like... It's, it's disappointing in some respects. It is only seven rounds when you think about it, isn't it? Because you look at the fact that Tuggeron United, as you said, unbeaten in five. They drew with Canberra Croatia, which we'll talk about in a minute. They've beaten Gungahlin United. We've now seen Woden Weston beat Canberra Olympic and Tigers FC. We've seen Monero Panthers pushing, uh, get a point off Gungahlin, pushing Tigers FC, pushing Canberra Croatia. There's over a 21-round competition. There's scope there for, for those sides to be pushing for the four. And if they can continue this next season, it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it almost goes back to, you know, like we said, you know, just certain moments in the in games. You know, if, if Belconnen are a one-all with Gungahlin, 10 against 11, do they actually push for that win when they've got 10 more games to go instead of three or four? You know, do, you know, Belconnen with an extra point going into the weekend, um, yeah, that extra point two weeks back against, Deke, uh, against Camper Croatia might have meant that they locked it up at 2-1 or 2-all and they even settled for that. They could have been playing for a title. Well, they would have been, wouldn't they? But for those two those two goals in stoppage time, they would have been beating Tigers and they would have been sitting on 13 points and they would have been there or thereabouts. Which goes back to my point around, you know, I, I don't see it as being fair or, or, or equitable to see any coach get, get given their marching orders at the end of this year because a lot of this season was, was dictated to by... A shortened season through COVID and circumstances and things like that. So It'd be incredibly it's, harsh, wouldn't it? It's not a it's not a real fair assessment on anyone, and 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 it's not a real indication of of anyone's ability. That as you know, I, I think there's there's been some really great stories. I think Woden's one with Yuli. I think um, Paul Michaels, obviously with with Bill Connor, who have been the surprise packet. Mitch Stevens will be hanging his hat on five five games without loss and that's that's an outstanding record um, and Daniel Greenwich has taken uh, a Canberra Croatia side that was probably let's just say not um, just not functioning at their best in 2019 to to being undefeated after seven games um, 
and and showing a lot of character to to pulling out results at the end. I don't know whether we call Fergie time Dino time now, but you know he's um he's he's managed to do it. And um, you mentioned undefeated there also in MPLW, Canberra Croatia, the only undefeated team there also as well. So a uh, very good year, I would say, overall for Canberra Croatia in that regard. Congratulations to Yuli as well. Um, like you said, the Woden didn't really start the season very well, so for them to bounce back is um, quite a good achievement. He was talking about building for next season, but I don't think you know uh, a lot of people were expecting to do so well to end the season in that regard. All right, moving on to Canberra Croatia v Tagranong. You guys, have, of course... Um, both um, called this one. Kier and uh, Walsh with the goals, both late goals as well. Canberra Croatia doing sort of their special this year, scoring in the last yeah. uh, couple of minutes. Russ, you've called a lot of the, <laughs> called a lot of those ones. Um, of course, with um, Gungala drawing the night before, um, they already had the league title wrapped up. I know they're not giving it away, but Canberra Croatia is still going to count that as a, their 24th league title, I'm sure. Um, what did you guys make of uh, the matchup? I'll start with you, Russ. Oh, sorry, not Russ. Uh, uh, you threw us away. You looked, 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 looked at me and said, Russ. Uh, I'll, I'll go if you want. Yeah, I spoke to Mitch Stevens afterwards and, and a couple of the boys, Cam Doherty, who played his 100th match with Tuggerong on the weekend. Congratulations to Cam. That's a great achievement. Spoke to him and Sean Kitty as well. And you could see in their eyes, they were absolutely gutted. They fought hard for it. They had chances. They missed a penalty. Um, Andrew Slavich's shot was well saved by Sam Brown. But... They were in it until the 90th minute and Ryan Keir came up and it was an absolute heartbreaker for them. Uh, a draw on the balance of play was probably a fair result because Canberra Chris had a heap of chances in the first half and, and they could have been two or three up before, before Tuggeranong um, scored the free kick from Regan Walsh. But the manner in which the, it was taken away from them will hurt Mitch Stevens and his team. And their response now whether it's it's good, bad or indifferent, I guess, will we'll mirror what we remember from the season because by the time we get four weeks down the track, we might forget these five games. And it's five games unbeaten for Tuggerong United. That's the first time that's happened in about 15 years. It doesn't happen to that club very often. And in amongst that run, they've beaten Gungahlin United. They've drawn with Canberra Croatia. They've shown a real heart and desire. And it was only the first two games of the season where they shipped nine goals, which ultimately on goal difference has knocked them out of the competition of the top four. They feel they're a top four side. I spoke to Dini Greenwich afterwards and he said, we're glad we're not seeing them again this season. And I think that more than anything is, is a, a mark of where Tugnong United are at under Mitch Stevens. Yeah, look, it was, it was a bit of a heartbreaker and I actually sent Mitch um, a couple of messages last night and um, you could tell he was you know, obviously upset about, and why wouldn't he be? I mean, he's obviously poured his heart and soul out in that club, you know, the last few years. Um, and, you know, even even looking at the, some of the Tuggies boys, you know, Regan Walsh and Cam Doherty, and, and, and I really felt for Andrews, uh, for young Slavich, because, you know, we, we, we try to find the right words, I guess, for us about, you know, the, the person who's got the bottle to step up. And uh, I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't say it on a <laughs> it family It started with B, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't going to be bottle. Um, and I just had, I, I don't know why, I just had this feeling, I thought Sam Brown's going to save this. And even at the free kick, I thought... This is not set up right, and I can see Deacon uh, Croatia scoring. And, and you mentioned that in in the I didn't want, I, yeah. yeah, I felt I felt bad because I could just see it unfolding, and I just thought Sammy Brown looked looked confident, and and Slavich didn't look as confident, and and it wasn't a bad penalty. It was just probably the wrong height rather than as you know it didn't hit it poorly, but even the the setup from the free kick, I was just. But they were talking, I did talk to them afterwards, and, and they were saying that Andrew Slavich had put his hand up for penalties. He was the designated penalty taker. Um, and when it got to the situation, it suddenly dawned on him that, oh, hang on, now I'm the one stepping up to the spot. Because there was a question of whether Regan Walsh, good dead ball player, may have taken that penalty himself. As for the free kick, um, 
uh, to speak to Mitch and he was ropeable because they talked about that um, in training, the way that Canberra Croatia like to stack the far post. We've seen it enough times this season and we know they've got probably the best aerial threats in the competition apart from Jack Green at Gungahlin United and, and, and Frank called it. They, there was two players unmarked on the far post. Maybe the matchups were wrong, maybe the players didn't track their markers. But Canberra Croatia, you, we I said it three minutes from time, you just never write them off because they've done it time and time again this season. They turned around a game against Canberra Olympic where they should have lost that game. And they scored twice in the last six minutes. They were 2-1 down in stoppage time against Belconnen last week. They've na- they've nipped a couple of goals in, in stoppage time to win the game. And they're 1-0 down heading into stoppage time this week. And, you know, as you said, they, they just come up. They just keep coming up. With it. And they've got big game players and they know how to do this. They do. But I, I suppose the worry for Dean is how often that's going to... That, how long do you keep on coming up with that? Like, yeah, it's it's great, and they know that they can do it. Like, even if they're 1-0 down in a grand final, they know that they've got the players that have done it and scored in those last couple of minutes. But they might not always get that opportunity. Com- Conversely, though, we've seen them a lot this season, and I, I don't think, and I've said this to Dean and, and his players, I don't think I've seen them play a full 90 minutes of football this season. They've played in patches, and some of the patches they've played in have been really, really good. Um, but some of the patches that they've played in have been quite poor. Mm. And they've not quite knitted that together yet, have they? And, and do you think if they get that right, they're going to be really difficult to beat? Look, I, 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 they're I hard guess, to beat now, obviously. They're hard to beat now. And, and, and like we said, you know, that, that defensive back four uh, and the reinforcements that they've got. Um, Nico Hooder as well in front of the back four with Ryan Keir and you've got Cobb it's a It's a very stable, strong lineup. Um, and and I guess you know that that's what's going to hold them in very good stead. Um, but like I said, you can't keep on going to the world too many too many times. And I think sooner or later that they need to, you know, they'll get found out if they, they keep on giving away leads towards the back end of games. And I don't think I mean obviously Dean doesn't coach for that, but it's something that they, he'll be aware of. We mentioned the squad depth of Gungahlin United. We've talked about this year. But you look at Canberra Croatia's squad depth and the players that weren't involved on the weekend. Nick Bobulus was on the bench, didn't get on the field. Um, you've got uh, Nikos Kalfas, who was injured as well and didn't play. And you've got Dom Giampaolo, who wasn't available on the weekend as well, to come into the group of 16 that were already there. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty formidable lineup. Absolutely. And, and I mean, with Kalfas and Giampaolo, they're game changers. Ten players that have played over a century of games in the NPL in that squad. In that, in that first 17 or 18, you call it. It's an incredible amount of experience. Yeah. Oh, it's, it certainly is, and we'll mention uh, Camera Crash a little later when we talk about um, who you two uh, fancy for the, uh, f- to make the final. But um, a little, uh, little bit less... Oh, sorry, putting you under pressure here, boys. <laughs> but um, uh, a little... Uh, let's just, um, I always little... predict draws. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was bad enough coaching Olympic with the pressure. Now he's put me on the spot in front of everyone. But in saying that, though, uh, anything else uh, you want to say about Tagaron? Because they usually... Would you, and also, would you have fancied them to do well in this final series, considering they usually always step up against the uh, the bigger names sides? They always make it difficult for them. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would have because I mean, it's a, it's a three games, and anything can happen in three games. It, you can get that momentum shift that we talked about. They're unbeaten in five. That's a decent momentum to bring in. I think the difference in them now from what we've seen in Tuggering in the past and what Mitch Stevens has installed um, is there's no fear of the big clubs anymore. They go out there and they play. Uh, Yes, are they limited? Yes, they know they are. They, they, they don't pretend to be the best squad in the competition by, by a street. You know? They don't pretend that they've got the best players. What they try and work on is a culture and an environment that they can get the best out of what they've got. And Mitch has got the best out of what they've got at the moment, I think. And had they got there, yeah, they probably would have um, pushed as hard as anybody in three games. Whether they would have the cattle to win the competition, 
Um, I think they're missing a, an out-and-out striker, a goal scorer at the moment. Young Harry Truman's come on board this year. It's his first season at this level, and he's scored three goals and done very well. Um, but maybe that's where they're missing something in their lineup. But um, would they have won it? Probably not. Would they have pushed the other ones uh, all the way? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot would have had to happen in the first game. Um, and, you know, we talk about truncated season. This is another truncated season. Mm. We've got a three-game season coming up. And if you lose that first game, the way you approach a second and third game is going to be completely different. So, you know, they would have been finished fourth. They would have played the team and finished first. Um, had they got a result like they did on the weekend and, and drawn that first game, then, yeah, there's a, there's a big chance that well, they might have done something, you know. Well, they'd have beaten Canberra-Croatia and then headed back to play Canberra-Croatia there again this week, wouldn't they, the 1v4? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that that psychologically is it would have been good for them but the one, the one thing I will say is you know we talk about camera Croatia we talk about Gungahlin they're the sort of players and that you know and this is and this goes for people like Wells and, and Danning and and uh, Bailey and Fertel at Belconnen as well and um, yeah Kumar Tigers will have the same sort of senior players they'll step up in the finals and that's probably why I'd give my nod to a Gungahlin Canberra Croatia Grand Final um, as being the top two sides, but um, I, I've been impressed so much by Bel this year. It's um, I think Paul's done an amazing job there. Just to finish up on Tuggerong, and good shout out to um, I mentioned Harry Truman, Harrison Bunell as well has stepped up this season, his first season in NPL. I think I've been very impressed with what I've seen from the young teenager at centre back as well. Um, not the full package by any means. Uh, you mentioned in commentary on the weekend. He's got really good attributes um, that he can work on. A couple of parts of his game he needs to get better at. But, you know, for a, for a first season and a short one in the circumstances that he's been put into, I think he's done very well. Yeah, you'd love to put your arm around him and say, just sit down and watch a couple of videos of the way you play. Um, this is what you're doing really, really well. These are the things I think you can improve on. And if you can improve on those sort of things, and then we're all of a sudden we're talking about a real player on our hands. Yeah. I, think, I think what Mitch finds with his players is they're all highly coachable. There's no real egos in that squad. So, he's, he's like I said, he's getting the best out of what he's got. And, you know, a bit of, bit of recruitment in the summer, if he can, if he can um, bolster his ranks a bit more. And uh, you never know where they might be next season. But I think for them it's positive even though it was a negative manner in which they ended the, the, the rounds, seven rounds of competition. All right, quickly before we uh, mention the, uh, the schedule, what's going to happen with this uh, final series, uh, who have been some of the best players, in your opinion, in this, in this uh, truncated season so far, as uh, you've, uh, you've said, uh, Frank? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> gee, I just hope Dominici and Calabria don't listen to this because they'll be messaging me for sure. Um, <laughs> Look, I, I, I tell you now, like I've been really impressed with Kofi Danning and, and the way he's played uh, for Bill Conn. I just think he's shown a lot of leadership, um, and that's probably brought out the best in Luca Flores. Um, I think um, just going through the top four, Matty Gerbis is a massive inclusion for Canberra Croatia, but Nico Uder and, and obviously Daniel Colbertaldo have been outstanding. Um, I've been impressed with Ryan Keir this year. Um, I think I think he's done a really good job. Um, from um, from Gungahlin, I mean, you've always got Jack Green. I think Jeremy Haptomerium's sort of dropped a little bit deeper and got a bit busier um, in the way he's played. They probably just need to sort out their, their front three, and, and I don't know if they'll settle on a, on a set front three, but, you know, they've got so many people sticking their hand up. I think it's, it's going to be difficult for Marcel to do that, but, you know, Jack Green's probably their guy. Um, Magic's been pretty good for, for, for Tigers, and, and a lot of the good things that, that you know, um, that, that come from Tigers have, have, has come from him. But having said that, I've been impressed with um, Sammy Whittier. I think 
he's probably come of age a little bit this year and um, starting to become more and more a goal threat. In that bottom four, um, look, Seldon was outstanding. I thought Mate Barisic was outstanding for Woden. I think Olympic um, will be probably just obviously disappointed with their season, but the fact that they've, they've given some of the younger guys an opportunity to play um, in some of those positions that um, they've been long-standing positions like um, you know, both Jordan Cash and Michael South have played a few games now and starting to look more and more comfortable in that first-grade position. Um, for Monero, I, I guess um, I've been impressed with Jenkins. Uh, I've been impressed with um, Adam New. Uh, I think he's done a pretty good job. And I think it's a good goalkeeper batter out there. Uh, the fact that Nathan Alfarink has, has, has really sort of pushed Evan um, for, for that starting spot has been, a, you know, an obviously uh, a good thing for Jimmy, a good problem for him to have. Roster Buckins is probably the one that I think would probably be the pick of their lot. Um, and Tuggernong. Um, I've been impressed. I'll tell you, I, I was impressed with Daniel Fulton on the weekend. I think him coming off really sort of um, was, was, a, was a telling tale for them. I think that was a big, big pivot in the game, you know, whether or not um, he could have actually got them over the line for a win. Um, but yeah, I think, like you said, PL has, has come to, to the party. I think Sam Smith, another young fullback, has done, done well. So. So Frank's, yeah, mentioned, I, I, Frank's mentioned half of Canberra. I, I, I've been paying attention at least. That, that's not bad, eh? Hey? I was about to say, is there anyone left for you to well, add? I was going to just add to the mix. It's been a good year for goalkeeping. Uh, you mentioned Evan Alexander and Nathan Alfrink. have been really impressed with the goalkeeping standard this year. It's actually been pretty good, hasn't it? Jordan Thurtell at oh, Belkan. And Sam Brown on Jacob the weekend. Jacob Cole, you know? Sam yeah. Brown. They, yeah. they, I mean, um, Jacob Wiseman made yep. some good blocks on the weekend as well. I think the standard of goalkeeping in Canberra is getting better. Um, and they're pushing each other, I think, as well. You know, You know what? I think I think Russ and I need to probably sit down and do a, a, a team of the year so far, starting eleven. What do you reckon for the for the weekend? Maybe Absolutely, we'll we'll get a team of the year for you for next and for next weekend. Next team of the year with no title, with year, no yeah, yeah <laughs> with no years. Do 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 you want to do that for the um the, the regular season? I reckon. What do you reckon? Or, or we could even do it for the regular season. All right, for next week. And I was about to say we could do that on the, uh, we'll the preview the, show for the we'll final. We'll get it for the grand final special. Gives us a bit we'll, more we'll time. Bring, well, if, if you want, we'll bring you back on for the grand final I'll preview. I've about 300 players on my list. Well, now. that's fine because we can, we can uh, talk about it over all the coffees you owe me for saying we. When Canberra Olympic have been playing, <laughs> you haven't stuck your hand in your pocket once. So just say that out to everyone in Canberra. Don't, don't, don't commentate with Russ. It costs well, you a it's fortune. It's clearly not true because it I did costs, buy your coffee once. It costs you a fortune. <laughs> well, well, if you guys like to do, I'd love that for the grand final uh, preview podcast. You can uh, you two do a, a, a collective team. It can be the you know the commentary team or the year or. Whatever you want to call it, uh, that sounds very good to me. All right, so we'll qu- uh, we'll wrap up what this uh, match schedule is going to be for the round robin. So every team is going to play each other uh, once in the uh, in the top four and the bottom four. In that regard, um, the Saturday matches, which is the uh, the top four uh, round robins, will be played on Saturdays at Deakin Stadium, and then the bottom four round robins will be played at Riverside Oval on Sundays. Uh, the fixtures we have this weekend are Gungahlin United versus Belconnen United, Saturday 1:30 Deakin Stadium. Canberra-Croatia versus Tigers, 3.45 at Deakin Stadium. Then Group B, we've got Canberra-Olympic versus Woden Western, Sunday, 1.30 at uh, Riverside Football Stadium. Then Tuggeron versus Monaro Panthers, Sunday, 3.45 Riverside Football Stadium. All right, my question is to you guys. Uh, over this final series, who do you, I know you mentioned Canberra-Croatia versus Gungahlin. Why do you, why do you uh, think that? What's, what's their strengths and weaknesses that will get them to the final? I think squad depth. I think squad depth, stability, and they've got big, big, big game players. 
So you're saying uh, Canberra Croatia versus Gungahlin. What about you, Ross? What he said. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Same reason, yep. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I'm in a very privileged position at the moment is uh, I'll be calling all of these games, um, most of them with the man sat opposite me here today. So we'll have a really good understanding of what's going on with these boys by the end of this next uh, three weeks or so. So ask us in a couple of weeks after two rounds of this and we'll be able to give you a definitive answer because uh, I think the way this, the tournament's structured this year is going to make it really interesting for teams to... It has affected a brand new, brand new um, season, as Frank said, a short season. There's no, there's no second chance for, for one v four, two v three, whatever it might be. So how they react to that is going to be interesting. And one loss could be critical. Yep. So make sure you tune into Bar TV Sports and listen to me and Frank, and you'll be sick of us by the end of the month, <laughs> if you're not already. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much for coming on, Frank. Uh, we'll have you back on the show before the final, and I look forward to. Uh, reading out you and uh, Russ's uh, combined 11 for the season. Thanks, mate. That was my pleasure. All right. It was great having Frank on as well uh, with um, you two as the main commentary duo for MPL1. Now moving on to MPLW, we've got uh, Monaro Panthers 2, Canberra Olympic 10. Uh, a lot of goals on the weekend. Another dominating performance from Canberra Olympic. However, once again, um, Hardwick with another fantastic goal from uh, quite, a, quite a bit out. Russ, uh, what do you uh, think about this one? Yeah, great finish, wasn't it? I mean, I think they poked the bear a bit. They were 6-0 down at the time. They did score two in really quick succession. And it was good that Monero did come back like that because at that stage, it looked like it was going to be a very heavy result against them. And Rachel Hardwick's just proven that she she's a quality player in that side. She scored three goals this season. And I think all of them have been absolute crackers. Two really good free kicks and that one from open play. Um, I guess the story of the afternoon, though, was Nicole Begg scoring five goals. Ashley Sykes with a hat-trick as well. With those two in your team, it's it's dangerous signs for everybody you play against. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, when you've got sheer pace like those two, and Lily Dawson's no slouch either. She'll play her 50th WNPL game if she's selected this weekend. Um, she's scored four goals this season as well. They've got real pace in that team, Olympic, and they're looking looking like a really strong contender in that top four. They certainly are. I guess my question to you is, in terms of them, um, is when they... Uh play against the other uh, teams above them they usually concede first and then that doesn't usually bear, bear well for them so do you do you feel like like these games here they need to come out uh, in the finals and um score first is that really important for them i think it is for any team to be honest scoring first is is, is a real is a real in, in um, terms of, well, yeah but in terms of campbell olympic i think it's a confidence thing yeah um but when you've got two players of the quality and experience of, of sykes and Beggs, and we don't want to make it a two-person show because there is nine other players in that team that have got to perform for them to be able to perform as well when you've got those players it's going to make it um give you a real opportunity to to push on uh, yeah, defensively they need to just stop conceding those those goals early on. I mean, if you can do that, you give yourself a better foundation. Andrew Woodman would know that though, um, and he'll be working on that as well. I don't think they're under any illusions of where they sit um, in the scheme of things. Uh, there's three really good football sides ahead of them at the moment, but um, there's two rounds left of this competition. Uh, I can see them being in the top four quite comfortably by the end of that two rounds and. Uh, pushing on for finals anything can happen and if they uh, do make that top four which is looking likely for them now they'll face uh, either Canberra Croatia or Belconnen at some stage you would think uh, one of the biggest mm. matches the MPL W calendar you called it uh, on the weekend um, of course Nick Brozenich uh, ad adds to his amazing week uh, considering uh, he just had a new baby as well congratulations to him um, and of course, they also kept a clean sheet as well against Belconnen, and uh, that was the question. Um, considering considering Belconnen usually don't concede a lot, I mean, 
uh, all season last season they conceded two goals and now this season they've conceded two goals so far so um, not that that's bad but in terms of the Belconnen standards of oh, women yeah, you know, yeah, know where you're going with it yeah I mean yeah. at the end of the day they've lost three football matches in 82 I mean which is a phenomenal record I mean there's no sense of a crisis at Belconnen United this win's been brewing for a while I think for Canberra Croatia um, they pushed them close five games last year I think it was one nil nil draw and four Belconnen wins but each Belconnen win was by a one goal margin um, and Canberra Croatia have shown that they, they're more resilient this season than they are and I put that down to the signing of Rhiannon Fensum at the back she was outstanding on the weekend not often you watch Belconnen United in the WNPL and they failed to create hardly any chances at all there was a shot from Michaela Thornton uh, from range along the ground which Ali Hinson coped with admirably and then another long ranger which um, she got at the second attempt the goalkeeper but other than that she was fairly untroubled um, at the other end Brittany Pullenby um, does what Brittany Pullenby does 109 WNPL goals in 119 games I think it is now or something like that it's a phenomenal record and that left foot is an absolute hammer and the goal was superb and it was it was good enough to win any game let alone one between the top two sides and as you said Nick Brosnich became a dad on Friday night about 9.30 had uh, one day at home with the baby and comes to, to Deakin Stadium sees his side get three points which um, may well be the three points which wins them the league title I think they only need one point now from two games to wrap up top spot there we go and in terms of Armand Orgul what will they need to do if they face uh, Canberra Croatia in the finals there'll be no panic for him um, they'll know that they'll need to step up the gear a little bit uh, they've got quality along the park they need to get Michaela Thornton on the ball a bit more I think and um, create some more opportunities for their front three who were a little bit isolated on the weekend um, Jazz Maguire through the middle hardly got a touch um, which is unlike them in terms of what they've got as a footballing side Lexia Fauna had to do all her work from deep um, that didn't help her either but there wasn't much between the sides as we didn't think there would be um, if they meet again in the finals which we're likely to see I think based on what we've seen so far it's another game and anyone could do it on the day and both sides have got match winners throughout them I don't think there's any panic for Ahmed Yugal. He'll look at this and go, OK, if you're going to lose a game, you may as well lose it now. Um, they know what they're going to get when they face Canberra Crusher again, just as much as Nick Brosnich knows there'll be a response. And the next matchup, Tagarong with their first win of the season, 2-0 over Wagga City Wanderers. Michael Aldred, um, uh, yep, uh, congratulations to them. Uh, very solid. Um, but they've, they've had these sort of half performances, as in like really good performances when they've lost as well. Like against Gungahlin, they played really well in the first half. And of course, they got draws against Minara and uh, and um, Woden. So th this was sort of uh, coming for them. Uh, what do you think about this result? Yeah, great result for Tuggeranong United and Michael Aldred, as you said, the two draws. Um, it's always nice to get a win, though. Um, the first of the season, it props them up to seventh on the ladder and a brace of goals for Madeleine McGee, her first goals at WMPL level as well. And I watched the goals on the highlights reel that we're given for Bar TV, and both goals really well taken. Um, showed a good pace, good composure when she got in. and tucked it home nicely and it's a good result for them and they will want to build on that now um, for the next couple of games uh, it's going to be tricky um, with Tagalong United about uh, you know what's coming up but I think they've got Canberra Croatia is it next at Deakin Stadium so. yeah so it's going to be a, a tough one to, to follow up with but always good to get three points under the belt um, always good to get new names on the score sheets and always good to get that first win of the season for Wagga City Wanderers disappointing for them they would have targeted this one and thought well we can win this game but I think more for Sam Gray this year it's about building um, he's brought in those young girls that we've mentioned pre numerous times now on this show over the past seven or eight weeks and they're getting better and better each week more experience and you know you've got to go to places and get a result and it's not happened for them it's a long tri trip um, here to get a result against Tuggeranong on playing at Hawker's always tricky as well 
but they'll be disappointed they've not got the three points on board and they'll need a response this weekend also. And last up, we have Woden Western versus Gangalan United 2-0 Whitfield with two goals. I was there calling it with uh, Jeremy and i got to say I was very, very impressed with Woden Western. Uh, they pressed Gangalan a lot and they really frustrated them, especially um, isolating uh, Tiana Mira and every time she had to sort of drop back to pass it off, she had to drop back a lot further than she thought she she could, especially in that second half. She really, um, you could tell uh, she and the rest of the players were getting really frustrated. Stella DeMarco was relegated to inside passes and back passes in that regard as well. They had a few chances in that first 45, and it, I sat on commentary, I'm just like, uh, they can't keep pressing for the whole game, so they're probably going to regret it if they don't sort of take their chances. But uh, they certainly, um, they just kept going. I mean, first 10 minutes, they did the same. Then they decided to sit back. And then when they hit on the counter, Russ, they were even deadlier than they were when they were pressing. And that's when they got their, their two goals, like two in the two in the space of 10 or so minutes. Uh, Mark Boyd would be very, very impressed. In terms of Gangalan, um, the, the centre-back Sidhu was out, which meant that uh, Legions had to play at the back, uh, not having her in midfield. But in saying that, they just struggled to break down Woden. Woden really, really frustrated them. So I guess this will be a good sort of um, experience for Gungalan because if they um, face this in the finals, they'll know they'll they'll know what they'll uh, be up against. I guess that's what Diego is going to be taking out of it. But congratulations to Mark Boyd. Fantastic performance for 90 minutes. They stayed on top of Gungala and frustrated them. Yeah, great result. Great weekend for Woden Western Football Club winning in the men's and women's and probably two surprise results that we didn't expect. I mean, I don't think many people were looking at this fixture on the weekend would have expected Woden Western to beat Gungala United, but it was a flashback to what we saw from Woden Western last year when they reached the Federation Cup final and they proved to be a really tough nut to crack. Um, they pushed Sarah Whitfield further forward, didn't they? And, they, and she'd come up with, with two really good goals. Second one especially, the oh, left footer amazing. was absolute screamer in the bottom corner and just goes to show that they're on the cusp of the four now they're probably not going to make it because they're going to run out of games but um you know they could become the best of the rest if you like if you want to call it that um two wins couple of draws this season is a lot to build on and i think you know from gagarin's point of view they'll be super disappointed because three points there would have given them an opportunity to play for the title um at the top spot and we've been talking about how well they've done this season and this is a little setback and as you said diego iglesias will need to get his troops back up on deck and make sure that they respond to this because no doubt there'll be a little bit of um, you know, upset amongst the ranks that they've not taken advantage of what's happened around them. But all credit to Mark Boyd, tactically got it right, got his team out there, held on for a bit, you know, rather lucky in some parts, um, but got the goal at the good time, then forced um, Kungalan to come looking and then picked him off again. And, and that's almost the perfect result for them. And congratulations to Woden Western and Let's hope from their point of view they can kick on as well, um, not just this season, but next season too. Indeed, I should also mention Atol, who came off with an injury as well, uh, had to be uh, helped off the field. Hopefully she's all right for the um Was that just finals. after the second goal? Yes, yes. Did you see what happened? No, no, I, I, don't, I don't specifically remember, but I do. She was sort of helped up, though, in that uh, in that regard. Um, she had to be helped up like... Um, It'll be a big loss it um, for her because her ability, uh, her ability to pick a pass, and also her, her shooting ability from distance, strength as well. Yeah, he's a great footballer, and uh, we wish her bet well. And hopefully, she's fit for this weekend. Indeed, and uh, the round eight fixtures are for MPLW: Belcon United, Canberra Olympia, which should be an absolute cracker. Four thirty, Hawker Football Stadium, and then we've got a uh, Canberra Croatia, Tuggerong United, like you mentioned. Sunday two thirty, Deakin Stadium. Then we've got Gungahlin United versus Wagga City Wanderers. Sunday three pm, Gungahlin enclosed. Canberra United Academy versus Woden. Sorry, versus Monaro Panthers, 420 Hawker Football Centre. And then we, and like we mentioned, well, Woden uh, Western uh, have the bias, so you mentioned not enough games for them. Yeah, there's a, um, a uh, 
really big game that one at Hawker I think Belcon and Canberra Olympic just we'd love to see the response from, from Belcon oh, United yeah. the response usually when they lose a game is very very good um, this one is going to be interesting as I said with the, with the pace of the front three that they've got there and also on Hawker Synthetic as well um, I think Belcon United played there against Gungarland and struggled a little uh, in that game yeah, where they one got one. a draw um, so yeah it's going to be a really interesting weekend in the WNPL there are places up for grabs in the top four in terms of the pecking order um, I think other than that the top four is fairly settled it's the four we expect but what order they're going to be in well it seems like Canberra Croatia after getting the big result on the weekend are going to go into the finals as top dogs it's certainly going to look like an interesting interesting uh, round eight all right, now I'm uh, very glad to say that we actually do have MPL talk this week, uh, compare MPL two talk this week compared to last week where there was no matches due to uh, all the matches being uh, uh, postponed. Uh, all right, so there was two of those catch up results though. So we had Queenman City defeat Narrabunda four nil, O'Connor Knights uh, thumping Western Malonglo five one, which means they're now on a five uh, three game winning streak, which we'll mention a little bit later. So first of all though, we've got Ugali. 7-0 over Narrabunda. They had uh, the meet halfway and played at Kutamundra. Uh, yeah, it was at O'Connor Park, and that, this is, of course, all due to the uh, COVID restrictions in the um, Griffith area. Uh, like I said, another massive win for Ugali, Russ. Five from five. Uh, they're tied with Queen City, of course, but, however, Ugali do have that game in hand that they still need to play against ANU. Uh, they've been free scoring. They've been keeping a few clean sheets, which we mentioned when they was 6-4 against White Eagles. That, that's something Luke Santolini will be very, very happy with. Narrabunda, on the other hand, another tough day at the office. It's been difficult. I know they've got a relatively small squad compared to the um, rest of the other teams. They've got a relatively new and uh, a relatively new squad as well. So I'm sure they'll be looking at this as a, a building year. What are your thoughts on um, uh, Ugali uh, again, Russ? Five from five. I mean, postponed matches didn't really deter them this this week. Oh, we asked at the start of the season whether the travel was going to take anything out of them in terms of their away games. This one, obviously, they had to travel to Kudamandra. Um, not too far, but. 7-0, they're the real deal. I mean, it's they needed to win these games against the sides lower down the table. They've not only won it, they've boosted their goal difference by an absolute mile. Um, they've taken uh, Narabunda apart, to be honest. Mitch Bagianti with a hat-trick there as well. And they just look like a, a side that really wants to prove, prove a point this season. A lot of these guys, as I've mentioned on this show before, played NPL 1 with the Rhinos last year and maybe didn't do themselves justice in terms of, of, of what kind of footballers they are. And right about now, they're showing us that they're going to be my tip to be in the grand final this year and I think we'll be calling them in NPL 2 GF because the way you say Back clean sheets yeah, wherever it's going to be <laughs> clean sheets um, at the back goal scoring going forward you can't ask for much more to be honest Luke Santolin's doing a great job down there and they're the only undefeated team left in NPL 2 as well credit to them alright next up we've got Wagga City Wanderers losing their first game of the season against Queen City 3-2 like I said huge win for Queen City puts them tied with Ugali on top of course, um, goal difference means they're uh, below them, and also Ugali still have a game in hand in that regard. Like I said, Wagga's first defeat of the season uh, against Queanbeyan City, but they're still leave themselves in a really good position. I know they're tied on 10 points with um, White Eagles and O'Connor. Um, sorry, no, just with White Eagles, sorry. And um, But they do have, like I said, they do have a game in hand, Russ, so they have uh, put themselves still in a decent position despite losing that game. What did you think about this result? I think you summed it up there. They've yeah. got, they're still in a good position despite the result, and I think this is a great result for Queen City. This is one of the best results of the season. To travel to Wagga City and get, a, get three points is, is a really good return for them. They started off slowly, didn't they, and they've come to have hit their straps at the right time. Very strong squad. Um, Wagga City at home are a really tough nut to crack, and 
they will be disappointed that they've not got something out of this. But Queanbeyan City, just at the moment, look like they're in, in a really good vein of form. Uh, they're going to probably make the finals, um, judging by where they're sitting at the moment. Uh, they're comfortably in second place with that five-point gap now over Wagga, despite the um, the game in hand. So that that win really does give them that cushion. Um, whereas they would have been, been a, a defeat would have let seen them uh, drop down in amongst the pack that's chasing because there's uh, a five chasing that. for that four at the moment, and and that doesn't work. No, not at all. And uh, one of those uh, that is currently in the top four is White Eagles, where they beat Western Malonglo 3-0. I was at this match. It was, a pr- it was a pretty tight first half. I mean, White Eagles had more of the possession and more goal-scoring opportunities. That was a very close chance to with the, uh, Ohio is- Asikia. Uh, however, he came off injured when he collided with the keeper. And, it was a, and then after that, it was a good save from the keeper as well. They scored just before halftime, which probably sort of deflated Western Malongolo a bit. They came out more offensive in the second half. However, doing that left them vulnerable to the uh, quick counterattacks of uh, White Eagles, which were deadly. And then they scored in the space. They scored two goals in the space of two minutes. And that was uh, done and dusted for White Eagles. They will um, they have... They will. I'm just looking at the table now. They uh, they'll fancy their chances because they do have a better, they do have a better reach over O'Connor Knights. It's going to be difficult for O'Connor Knights because they're going to need everything to go their way, like we'll mention uh, in the next game. And you do have a game in hand though, um, which will um, which will help them. Uh, but in terms of Western Malongolo, uh, this is their eighth goal they've conceded in two games now, which is uh, seen, which isn't a. Uh, well, th- that's not like the way they started the season. It's going to be uh, quite unlikely for them to make the finals, just considering how uh, the, the teams in front of them still have matches to play as well, which doesn't really help them in that regard. What do you think about this uh, result, Russ? Uh, great result for White Eagles again. I mean, another side that started the season slowly but seemed to be coming into it at the right time. 3-0 away is always a great result to have. Wheels have fallen off a little for Western Malonglo. Uh, defensively, we were on here a few weeks back saying how well they hadn't conceded a goal in open play and all of a sudden the flood, floodgates have opened and how Ned Jeans gets his team to respond to that will, will ultimately um, be the test of their season and where they actually finish at the end of the day. I mean... Five points now. They look like they're probably going to miss out on finals. Um, it's all about getting uh, finishing the season strongly. White Eagles, as you said, um, sitting in fourth now, sitting comfortably in there, and with the game in hand on O'Connor, if they can win that game in hand, they're going to put themselves that big gap as well. And uh, good squad. Um, we mentioned them at the start of the season as one of, of one of the title favourites alongside the Knights and ANU, and and uh, White Campbell White Eagles seem to be coming into the form at the right time. Um, I know fully well that they have a plenty of players of experience of, of grand finals as well. So don't write them off at all. And they'll be super pleased with the three points they've got on the weekend. They certainly will be. And last up, we have O'Connor Knights, who defeated Brindabella for two. Like I said, this is O'Connor's third win in a row after their uh, disappointing start to the season uh, in their regard. Um, in the first half, O'Connor just came out um, rampant. Two goals in 10 minutes. Uh, they mostly dominated midfield. Uh, Brindabella... Uh, refused to give up they're trying to make a comeback in that regard with Lawrence scoring two goals however uh, O'Connor Knights attacked early and they uh, just dominated the majority of the midfield like I said it's going to be difficult for O'Connor mostly due to uh, the way it's panned out so far with the teams on top of them uh, having a bit of an advantage of them and then one of them even has uh, extra game in hand to play as well so it's going to be a little difficult for them but they'll, they, they can still make it but they'll need things to go their way in that regard and Brinda Bella um, unfortunate uh, for them, it, it seems unlikely they'll make the final as well. However, I do feel they have shown improvement, um, even even though it is a shorter season. 
Yeah, sound like a broken record here, don't we? Because another yeah. side that O'Connor Knights has started the season really poorly and then have kicked into gear over the last week or two. Uh, Keenan Dodds is amongst the goals. Now Nico Kresic is starting to pull the strings a bit more as we expected at the start of the year. And the players like Ian Graham, he got on the score sheet on the weekend, starting to come to the fore as well. Good result for them uh, to get in. Keeps, uh, keeps the pressure on those above them. I mean, keeps them honest. They're, all they can do is keep winning their games and hopefully somebody will slip up above them to let them into that top four and... Um, give them a chance to play finals football. As you mentioned for Brindabella Blues, it's, uh, it was a tough game for them. Um, they would have looked at this one at the start of the season and gone, well, this will be a test for us. And, and it certainly was. And to their credit, as you said, they're a much better football side than they were last year. And they scored a couple of goals, weren't quite able to get the, the job done for them. But they're sitting there in eighth place and they'll target, um, obviously, the two above them, Western Malongolo and ANU. And if they can string a couple of results together or at least get another win before the end of the season then you know they might finish mid-table and I think that would be um, quite a good return for Zoran Glavinich and for a side that finished dead last last year I think they were weren't they indeed a good building process that will be a uh, progress sorry that will be for them all right uh, you mentioned the next week's fixtures we'll uh, give them to you now we've got Narrabunda v ANU Saturday 3 p.m at Boominala Oval then we've got White Eagles and Sprindabella Blues Saturday 3 p.m Woden Park enclosed then we've got Queen City versus Western Malonglo, Saturday 5.30 at Riverside Football Stadium. And then we've got Ugali versus Wagga City Wanderers, Sunday 2pm at Solomon Stadium. I do believe that Wagga City Wanderers are the exception to the travelling rule. I think they are, yeah, so yeah. that will go ahead at 2 o'clock. I'm really looking forward to that one, actually. It should be a good opportunity to showcase two sides from our regions, which uh, and Ugali um, Soccer Club will, will stream that live on their Facebook page, as they always do. So if you get the chance to tune into that, if you're not watching... Um, the uh, bottom four series in the MPL or WMPL fixture in Canberra. Make sure that you uh, tune into that one because should be an absolute cracker and, and could well be a preview of a grand final. A sneaky feeling this year that those two clubs um, may well be travelling to Canberra if they can, or we might or be having a group final group uh, MPL two final at Cootamundra maybe. Cootamundra get there. <laughs> I've been who there before with David Jordan. But who, 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 who would have thought that at the start of the season? The well, MPL I mean, 2 final might be a Kudamundra. Yeah, it would have been something. It just would have probably capped 2020 for us, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, that is uh, us for today. Like I said, uh, our biggest episode ever. I really, really enjoyed it. Having uh, thanks to Michael Kajano for coming on, talking all things the Canberra League bid. Thank you to, to Frank Keisha for coming on. Uh, and I look forward to hearing your commentary with him, uh, Russ. And of course, thank you, Russ, for coming on. And thank you for saying for, for the whole show, more importantly. Yeah, no problem at all. I enjoyed it. And uh, we've got big week, big month of football coming up. And I say, especially for myself, who's I've got four matches um, each week for the next month. And really looking forward to seeing how these sides respond to this new competition and the new setup that they've got. And we've been really impressed with what we've seen so far. And obviously, don't forget WMPL as well, because that's coming into a critical stage as well. And their final series is a little bit more orthodox than the men so we're really looking forward to that too it's a good time the weather's got better there's no snow the sun's out the skies are blue and a football final series is coming round thank you very much Russ as always and thank you very much to everyone for listening uh, like share subscribe uh, and thank you very much uh, greatly appreciate it and I look forward to all the football this weekend thank you